How many of you know that you don't have to do anything else to be prepared for what God wants to do in your life? You don't. Your preparation has already been completed. There's some things you can't be prepared for with what God wants to do. He can't get you ready for it. He's already gotten you ready. And when you step into it, then he'll be there walking with you side by side to get you through it. Amen? David, over and over again, David proved that. Did he have some preparation? Sure he did. But all that preparation back there taking care of sheep did not get him prepared to be king. You can't take a cattle rancher and put him as president. He's going to have to have some grooming first. You can't throw him right up there in front of everybody and going to have to run the greatest nation in the world. At that time, Israel was, was the greatest nation. It had defeated everyone else. No one, no one would come against Israel in David's era. It didn't matter who came against Israel, who won every time. Israel did. Everyone feared Israel. When his son came along and, um, and did the work that he did, people were coming to Israel to get information, to learn, to be schooled, to be trained. To go to their country. They would come with offerings to Solomon just for him to sit down and share wisdom. Have you ever done that? I have. Have you ever done that? Have you ever wanted wisdom so much from someone that you knew they had it and you said, hey, can I, can I have an hour of your time and pay for it? How bad do we want it? Uh, years ago, a uh, little bit of training here, but here we're not into, I, I won't take a copied CD of someone preaching. I won't take a copied CD of someone worshiping ministry. I won't take a copy of it, or, or I may borrow your original copy and listen to it, if I like it, it touches my heart, then I may go purchase that. I don't borrow from someone else to gain wisdom. If it is, if it is valuable enough for me, I'll go pay for it. For years, Pat and I wanted wisdom that we couldn't find around here, so we spent our vacations. Many times, we spent up to fifteen to $2,000 just to pay somebody to run our route so we could go sit underneath somebody preaching for a week. Do you know why we did that? Because it was valuable to us. What we would learn in that time, what we would understand, what we could collectively grab a hold of and, and see how they operate their ministry 
how they operate and, and function, how they do that. And we were pastors going to have to lead one day. And, and, and while we're leading to learn more and get reschooled and reeducated, we laid down our life to go get that. Why? Because God called us here, and that calling is so valuable to us that we're willing to go and pay to get as much education on how to do it as we can. And we would pray, sometimes fast, before we would get there and ask God to speak to us and let us hear what you want us to hear to bring back to Southern Illinois. I'm just saying, is what you're wanting, is it valuable enough to lay your life down for? We would miss, we would miss going out to eat so that we could get another translation of the word. We'd miss buying new clothes so we'd get another translation of the word. We'd miss purchasing something we wanted so that we could get another under, more understanding of what God had to say. You don't get anywhere without laying something down to get it. You don't. If you ever own a business, you know that very well. You don't own a business and run a business without somebody laying something down. You don't run a farm without laying something down all the time with those animals, with that crop, with that land. If you're expecting a harvest and there is a preparation time, you got to go get your preparation done. But I can tell you, after you've gotten your preparation done, you're ready because you can't be prepared for what God's to go into the middle of what God's really going to do. You can get prepared to enter it, but you won't be prepared in it because until you're in it, you won't know what it's going to be about. You won't know what to prepare for. But God will take care of it. It's called, um, I heard one man call it U-square or a quantum leap where you are, you're pressing into wanting to get where you're wanting to go and sometimes we're putting too much pressure on that. Sometimes we need to just step back and say, okay, God, I think I know where I need to go. I think I know what direction I need to take. I think I know how to get out of this situation. I think I know how to get in this situation. I, sometimes what we need to do is step back and just make ourselves available. And then when he says leap, with reckless abandonment, we leap. Well, that's a little scary, Pastor. What are you trying to say? No, I'm talking about you've already heard from God. You know what you're supposed to do. You don't think this building wasn't a reckless abandonment leap? I had people come up to me in the middle of it going, are you sure, are you sure you heard God on this? That wasn't them doubting. They just wanted to know, listen, I'm not following you if you're just, you know, just just grabbing straws or grabbing strings out of the air. I'm not following you. I need to know God's told you to do this. Now, they believed God. Their faith was in God. And they knew if God said, then we can do it. But if we're just doing this because this is what we want to do or because in our emotions we're, we feel pressed to do, I don't know that I can go that direction. Amen? But 
when I said God said, they also knew me well enough that I don't say that. I don't run around saying, well, God said. God said for me to go to Walmart today instead of Kroger. I, you know, that, that, that kind of foolishness will get yourself in a lot of trouble. If you feel God leading you to Walmart instead of Kroger today, then just do what God's leading you. Don't walk around telling everybody at Walmart, God told me to come here today instead of going to Kroger. You're, a, you're losing all your influence now. There's, there's a time just to do what God told you to do and do it and be quiet about it. Amen? Now, when something tragic happens over somewhere else, you can say, Father, thank you so much that I didn't take that highway. I didn't go that direction. You really did tell me to go the other direction. It's not that you like one place better than the other. You were just protecting me because you love me. Now you've got a testimony. You know, I was supposed to be there that day, and I just felt a nudge that day. And that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. God was speaking to me through the Holy Spirit to my spirit, and I just listened to him, and I took another route. Now you see the beauty of that, of that and the power of that testimony? Amen. There's a beauty and power in that. And God spared my life. Let's make sure we put the emphasis on what God did that day not on what we did that day. Oh, I heard God. I can hear God, you know. I've had people tell me that. I'm, I'm a pastor. I, I know that doesn't mean much, but, but I didn't get here without hearing God. We didn't get where we're at without hearing God. So I don't get too impressed when somebody goes, well, I heard God. Okay, I hear God all the time. I have to live there or I'm not going to make it. Because, see, I've, I've leapt out into something, and I've leapt out so far that I myself alone cannot do it. I better be hearing from God. Amen? Are you there? Have you leapt out so far? Or, do you, are you, or are you fully secured? That's a tough question, isn't it? I bet you most churches this morning, people, the pastor's not asking these kind of questions. Are you fully secured in what you're doing and where you're at? No worries about tomorrow? Or have you leapt out there? Have you stepped out there on the water? Looking for God to do something. Knowing God's done something because God said step out. Not because you decided to step out, because God said step out. Are we, are we nervous about being that close to God that he might say step out and then we'd have to step out? Are we, are we too nervous to get that close? That's okay if you are. That's just, a, that's just a place in your Christian life you're walking. God, God is drawing you closer. I had one man say one time that he wished that Pat and I would live so close to God that we'd have to have faith to bat our eyes. I thought, man, I don't know that I want to live. I, I just like my eyes batting just like they are. That's good for me. I'm, I don't know that I want to live that, you know. Hillsong wrote a song called Oceans. 
If you'll listen to the words of that song, that's what it's talking about. It's about getting out there so far, you can't even see land anymore. And all you have is the hand of God to walk in. We did it again here lately. Pat and I left a comfortable job, and we left into something that was unknown. And God is there with us through every step of the way. It's just amazing watching God. And we're getting new life experiences now. And in it, God has shown me what's getting ready to happen here. I'm telling you, folks, God, you're prepared. God can't prepare you for the middle of the ocean water walk. You're already prepared. All you have to be willing to do is to respond. Amen? The setting back in the stadium, just being a participant in the, in the, uh, in the audience, God's looking for people to come out of the audience, and he's wanting to get involved in the game of the kingdom life. And he's calling every one of us. He's calling every one of us. If you have your Bibles, here's what we are all scared of, and this is, this, is, this is going along with last week's message, God plans his work and works his plan. I want you to meditate on that just for a minute. God plans his work. Remember over in Jeremiah 29, 11, I think it is. He said, I know the plans that I have. Notice, I, I. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. That's the first thing he says. Plans to prosper you. He didn't say plans to for you to live a fear-filled life. He didn't say he had plans for you to walk through divorce. He didn't say he had plans for you to live life and lose a child or lose a, lose a spouse or lose a loved one. He didn't say he had a plan for you that you would suffer uh, failure in a business or failure in, ex in acceptance at a job or or a career. He said, I know, I know the plans I have for you. And he says, says the Lord. He wants to make sure you understand this is me talking. The creator of the universe, the creator of every individual in the womb of every woman who's ever born a child. I'm the one that, that, that did all that. And I have each one of your hairs numbered on your head. I know you distinctly, and I know you personally. I know every thought that goes through your mind. I know everything your eyes have seen. I know everything your ears have been attuned to. I know everything you've let into your heart, and I know everything you have refused to let into your heart. I know you, and yet I have a plan for you. And the first thing he says in that plan is, my plan is to prosper you and not to harm you. 
Wow. After you know me and everything that I know about me, and then you look at me, most people would say, my plan for you is to send you back for training. How many of you would feel that way? If, how many of you would say, okay, well, God, that's probably a good idea. If God said, here's my plan for you, my plan is to send you back for training. You say, well, yeah, I probably need more training. Things I've done in my life and the mistakes I've made, I need some help. That's not what God says. God says the plan I have for you is to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you hope, which if you translate that word, it means happy anticipation. It's a really long translation. Happy anticipation of an expected end. In other words, he's going to drop an expectation in you of what he's to do. And therefore, you go in there and you look at the promises of God throughout the word of God. He says, there, I've given you my promises. That is what you should be expecting. I, I work in a business that, that the trend is every First of the month, business is big. The tail end of the month, business slacks off. Certain times of the year it's up and certain times of the year down. Those are the trends. But if you look at the stats, those statistics are just numbers. And to get those numbers, there has to be a high number and there has to be a low number to come up with the stat of what the average is. Right? You know what we expect in our life? We look at the numbers and we look at the, 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 the trends and that's what we begin to expect. When knowing all along, expecting the trend, there is some who are living high above that and there's some living low below that. Why are we not expecting the promises of God which are above and not beneath, which are the head and not the tail. Isn't that what he said about you? You're above and not beneath. You're the head, not the tail. But instead, we're expecting the trend when we should be expecting the blessing. He takes my valleys and he, and he levels them off. He, he levels off my mountaintops where I can walk on, on, on. He gives me a way in, in the desert where there is no way. He makes a way across the water when there is no way. When the storm rages, there's peace in my boat. Amen? I read a story, story the other day. Um, um, Gordon Lightfoot passed away. I didn't know it. But I found out this week. So I went out and I started looking. I love Gordon Lightfoot. I went to looking at Gordon Lightfoot and his, his history and, and how, they had, how it was remarkable that the Edmund Fitzgerald, that the Edmund Fitzgerald, he had documented in that song, and they have studied that documentation because he went out and talked to people. Uh, he didn't just go to whatever the, the, the media was saying. He went out and talked to people. It really touched his heart. So he wanted to know what was going on and what happened. 
talked to several people before he wrote that song. And then through the years, he adjusted the song before we really got to see the final outcome. I didn't know that. But that song, he, he sang that song differently and finally smoothed it out and got all of the facts in and, he, and, 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 and continued to let that song metamorphosize to what it became today and, and what we know in history of that song. But you know what the story is behind that song? There was another ship right there. Who watched the Edmund Fitzgerald sink. And it made it into port on time. Whitefish Bay, actually, got in and they were saved. And in the middle of that, the Coast Guard was asking them to go back out into the open waters to see if they could find the Edmund Fitzgerald. And they wrestled that around and said, you know what, we really can't do that. I can't risk my, my ship. Eventually, they did pull out before the, the Coast Guard got there, and they went out and looking for the Edmund Fitzgerald. But what I'm saying here is, is one made it and one didn't. And we're looking at things, and if we're not careful, we're looking at that glass half empty instead of that glass half full. Instead of looking at the blessing of God, we're looking at what happens to everyone else. And that will stop you from stepping out of the boat. That will stop you. What if you fail? The Bible says that he will take everything that happens and he will turn it for my good. So how can I fail? The only thing stopping me is fear. And defined is false evidence which to you appears real. But it's not real. Amen. God has already equipped you, but you cannot ever be completely. We want to be completely prepared before we take that step. Well, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about there's times that you just see someone and God's speaking to you to go talk to them. You don't even know how that conversation is going to end up. You don't know where it's going to go. But it could just start out with, hey, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while. I was just wondering how you're doing. When God's nudging you, he's already prepared their heart, and he's already prepared yours. And he said, don't plan on what you're going to say when you go before the judge. I will, I will bring to remembrance everything you need to say. Do you know at that moment, that moment when God's asking you, you're being judged? Now, not eternal hell or eternal heaven. We're being judged as can we respond in a dangerous situation of fear? Can we respond and step out and be that voice for God? You don't know, that may be the beginning of your new ministry. So I'm no counselor, I don't know what to say. 
Oh, but you have the counselor on the inside of you. He's the Holy Spirit. He said he is your counselor. If he is your counselor, if he is my counselor, then he is your counselor. If he is your counselor, he is my counselor. Amen? So therefore, we are qualified. For the counselor lives within us. You know what the problem is? We want to stop them and tell them how to do it. What they're doing wrong. How to straighten it out. How to fix it. When that's not what they need to hear. I've told you before, most of the things that need to fix us isn't as big as we think they are. There may be something you see somebody doing and you God's telling you to go speak to them. He's not calling you there to correct them. He's calling you there to listen. Because the way they behave, the way they treat others, the way they conduct their life, the way their home may look on the inside, the way their bank account may look, the way their life, their, their relationships with their children, the way their relationships are with their husband or wife, all the things going on that might you might appear to say, well, I know how to fix that. Maybe you don't. And maybe you definitely shouldn't go to them with a preconceived notion of how to fix that. Maybe we should go to them with a preconceived notion of what can I do to help and how can the Holy Spirit speak through me to them. Wow. Here's what the Bible says in a, in a, in a bigger, bigger portion of this. Colossians 1 and 27 says, to them, when he says to them, if you'll read back in Colossians, he's talking about to us who have been born again, all right? To us who have been born again, God's will is to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, listen, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. That's God's plan, and that is God's will. You need to stop searching. Did you know there's no place in the Bible that tells you to search for the will of God? Do you know why? Because you're not supposed to be looking for the will of God. The Bible says you're supposed to prove the will of God. Oh, my. Here's how, you, here's how this thing works. I knew at age, and you'll know what your God's put on your heart, whatever that is. I don't know. Um, Jerry, Jerry reaches out, and he, he has gotten himself involved in uh, building, uh, and it's a, it's a Christian group. And they go and they build, provide labor. And I guess most of the time, if not all the time, that labor is free. It is not all free. Okay? And somebody volunteers the products for them to work with. Somebody volunteers the housing. Somebody volunteers the food. Somebody, and all it takes is someone to say, I'll step out 
and I don't know how I'm going to do this and still make a living. I don't know how I'm going to. See, that's dangerous. When Pat and I stepped in the ministry, oh, my goodness, dangerous. This is dangerous business. It can wreck your finances. It can wreck your life. Ministry can wreck your life. Do you know how much unacceptance and rejection is in a pulpit in America? That's why most pastors in, the Amer in America are not lasting more than about five years. Because of the comments and the rejection, people walking out the door never saying goodbye, never looking at you and saying, Pastor, I've, we found another church that kind of works with us better and we're just more comfortable there, and we love you, we love your ministry, we'll still be listening to you, but this is where we feel like we need to be. They never do that. They just leave. And then you have to wonder, what did you say? What did you do? And you carry that for eons. Thank God I got a few people around here that have called me on the phone and said, Dean, let it go. Because I'm not letting it go. Until I have an answer. Because I'm in the ministry and I wouldn't do anything to hurt someone. It's a dangerous position for your own mental health. And every pastor deals with it. And we know if we fall in front of you, it's over. It is over. There might be a few of you still love you. But for the most part, they'll never want to see your face again. So we're not like you. You fall, you expect the church to embrace you, and the church will embrace you. We fall, uh-oh, it's a whole other story. So stepping out is dangerous. I watch Jerry, pray for Jerry. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'll pray for Jerry. Because I look at Jerry and I go, well, I don't know. He doesn't look like he came into millions, so I don't think Jerry's come into millions. So I look at Jerry and I think, how is he making it? How is he paying his bills? How is he taking care of himself? Because he's going away volunteering. And how are they supporting that? How are they taking care of that? Somebody, somebody who has the means and has the heart, draw toward that. And that goes for anything that we do. Amen? Because it's a dangerous position to put yourself in. But I can tell you, as dangerous as it looks and as dangerous on the inside it feels once in a while, I can tell you he is with you all the way. And he, your footsteps are, are ordered of the Lord and the finances will show up right on time every single time. And, he will, and, and God will bring people around you that love you and breathe life into you and encourage you and help you get around all the others that do what they do and don't even know that they've left behind uh, a hurt and, and, a, and a misunderstanding and, a, and questions and trying to figure out. and See, that's just stuff that pastors go through, ministers go through. Because we care about you. We want to see you attain your position in Christ and recognize it and then move on to live a life that is victorious through him and be fulfilled in what you were called to do.
It is the hope of glory in you. God has already willed it to you. And you're already prepared. You're ready. All you've got to be willing to do is take the leap. Did you know somebody here is already prepared to do a singles ministry in this church? Do you know you need one? Dottie, you need one. Jesse, you need one. Bones, you need one. Sarah, you need one. Mom, you need one. Hey, Ron needs one. Need a singles ministry. No God speaking because we had a gentleman come in here and wasn't here but just a very short time. And, and he stepped up and started a singles ministry. I thought, well, here it goes. We got a singles ministry started. And now, now this is something that, that they can get together and, and have fellowship, have connection. Because when you're single, you see all the other married people getting together. Right? And you go, well, there are couples all getting together, and we really just don't have anybody to get together with. I don't know who to get. You know what? It's there. God's calling. I know it's scary to step out. But see, that's not the church's. That, we've turned that over to the church. You are the church, and you are prepared. You're already there. You're ready. God's ready to meet you in it. Has he left you behind any, Jerry? Not one minute, has he? Was it scary stepping into it? <laughs> Terrifying. You know what we're scared of? Failure. But the small, still, tiny voice that's saying leap is the same small, still, tiny voice that already has a plan. And it's to prosper. And it's to make it happen and make it work. Amen? To pull it together in Jesus' name. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I mean, this is an awesome church. You are awesome people. We have a weenie roast. We have a dinner here. You're not all a bunch of religious nuts. I listen to the conversation. It's actually normal. Like it's supposed to be. Well, for some of you, some of you might not be completely normal, but it's all right. I, I had to look over here and see him. That's not normal most of the time. But I love him. I think he's awesome. But, but you're people that people like to rub shoulders with. You're people that people fall in love with. And you're people who have the Spirit of God in you, the Counselor in you, that people will be drawn to and find some answers in their life. You, really, you don't have to be prepared. You're already prepared. All he's waiting for you to do is ask what direction to go. Now let's go. Amen. Amen.
Amen. You know how this ministry started? In the living room of a home. I didn't have no place to go. We didn't have a direction yet. Amen. But that was all right. We met in the living room of a home for a little while. Then we ended up in a hotel at a conference center, and that was weird for Southern Illinois. They kept wanting to know how we were doing ministry in a hotel room. I said, it's a conference center. We're staying at, we're at the conference center. Conference center? They got conference out there? They got conference rooms, you know. Not everybody's a business person. Not everybody knew there was conference rooms out there. So some people thought we were actually meeting in a hotel room. You're a pastor trying to start a ministry, and you're trying to explain that to somebody who thinks you're staying in a hotel room doing ministry? That's hard, you know? You don't even know what to say about that. Put two hands in your pockets and go, I don't know. No, it's not a hotel room. It's, it's actually a conference center. Uh, but that's how we started. Start where you're at. Pursue where you're at. Go do what God's called you to do, you are already prepared. If it's been going through your, somebody here has had something going on in their mind to do and you're wondering, well, what more do I need to do? How do I need to be prepared? What do I, you're already prepared. God cares about every single thing you do. Really. Amen. All right. That's all, that's all we got to say today. Say it with me. I'm prepared. He's already got me. My preparation's already established. That's right. I will jump in. <laughs> Praise God. That's why I never get in that airplane. I know if I say I'm going to jump, Pat gets me in that airplane, and she's in that airplane with me. Once I get in the airplane, I'm going to have to jump. So I just stay out of the airplane. Amen. Then I don't ever have to say, I'm going, you know. I can just look at her and say, one of these days, don't be a one of these days. Take the leap that Christ has for you. Amen. Take the leap. Step into what he's called you to do or what he's got in your heart's plan to do. Amen. If it's just to walk across the parking lot and talk to somebody, walk across the church to talk to somebody, open up a door of conversation. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this day. We receive your word. We thank you, Father, for your word today. We, re we receive this week, Father, blessed, encouraged, and prosperous this week. And Father, we have the hope of glory in us. And Father, we, we will respond as though we have the hope of glory in us. Even though sometimes it doesn't look like it, doesn't feel like it, we know greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world, and the hope of glory is within us. And Father, we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, and we will see you next week.